The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders and Inspiring Solutions. I'm Linda Schub, your host for this episode and a relatively new member of the Leadership Matter team. I'm in San Diego, California, with OEC Strategic Solutions, a boutique consulting that specializes in strategic planning and leadership development. Um, I am co-hosted today by my partner and another one of the newer members, John Janetta, who is president and CEO of the Heartland Family Services in Nebraska. Um, thank you so much for being with us, here with me here today, John. And in addition, I'm pleased to say that Valerie Wright, associate producer from Wright Ideas Unlimited in West Palm Beach, Florida, is also um, online as part of our usual hosting team. Our guest today on this intriguing episode called More on Mentoring, Getting the Most from the Relationship. Our guest is Anne Scott Hurt, who is an organization effectiveness specialist at the City of San Diego in the Public Utilities Department, um, which has over 500 employees in and of itself. Is that accurate, 5,000 or 500? I think it's 1,500. 1,500 employees just in the one department that Anne is the program manager for the mentoring program and has had a variety of experience. We all have had a variety of experience um, being mentored, mentoring, setting up programs, formal and informal. Um so today we are discussing um, challenges as a mentor or mentee at work. How do you become and let others know you're interested in being a mentor or a mentee? And how do you get the most from that relationship? So with that brief overview, um, John or Val, would you like to say any introductory comments before I move to our guest, Ann Scott Hurst? I'll just say, um, you know, good afternoon, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this discussion and learning more about uh, mentoring and about you, Anne, so um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to it. Great. Me too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Anne, let's just start. Um, you've got such a good background. Will you just give us a feel for yourself, your own background, 
the multiple places you've uh, experienced both leadership development and mentoring? Sure. <clears throat> My background is um, in the area of psychological counseling and organizational behavior, and I am also a Midwesterner from um, my origins, having received my bachelor's degree in education at Wichita State, my master's at the University of Illinois in psychological counseling, and the University of Michigan in organizational behavior. Add to that some experiences in private industries and healthcare, and you have uh, some idea of my background. I had worked with uh, McDonnell Douglas before it became Boeing and um, Intel, very fast-moving organization, Kaiser Permanente, a healthcare organization, and Motorola, who is also a government contractor. And in each of those places, I've been involved in leadership development and uh, have helped institute various programs in the area of uh, leadership and mentoring. That's a broad background. Um, and can you just give us a broad overview? Last week we had a fascinating discussion um, which helped us conclude that people have very different interpretations of the term mentoring. Um, we compared that to the term coaxing, to the term the, the roles. But when you say mentoring, what do you, what do you conjure up in a public sector context? Well, okay. In our situation with the city of San Diego, we wanted to have a mentorship position. And unlike some uh, groups who determine that mentors are needed for remedial purposes to help people improve greatly, this program is um, in some ways quite an honor to be in. Some of our best and brightest are generally selected. And we want to work more on developing the leaders of the future for our institution and have um, some pretty – we have um, criteria that we try to match mentees against and that those criteria um, help us to identify whether or not someone has a uh, a base of understanding of basic leadership principles. We have a number of courses that we call the Super 7. They include things like sexual um, harassment prevention, rewards and recognition, demissions and discipline, um, interview techniques, threat management, employee performance management, and the basic supervisors academy offered by the city. And we like for our mentors to have taken all of those courses before they are considered a highly desirable candidate for uh, becoming a mentor. And because so you're essentially you're saying that you've set up some uh, bars and um, criteria or prerequisites for people to move into this area. And I'm wondering if we just take a moment not to interrupt you, but to see if that's typical in the experience of Bell and John. Okay. Um, you know, I've I've not I've not been involved with a mentoring work based mentoring program that was that structured. It sounds fantastic. Though. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, same here. I've experienced uh, mentoring in the workplace in a more informal way um, and definitely not with the training um, aspect of it, but I think it is phenomenal that individuals receive that kind of foundation as they move into uh, higher-level mentoring relationships. I think it's excellent. Yes, we have determined that it's um, it, those courses define the parameters within which our leaders are expected to conduct their work. And the mentorship then is the gravy um, in the end because not absolutely everyone will have completed all of those courses. But when we put candidates and applicants side by side, um, that is one of the considerations that we give to determining whether they will be successful or whether they will be the one chosen from their particular area. And you're exactly right. We do have um, a form. This is a relatively formalized program. We only have eight mentors and eight mentees that we pull together and we have a pretty intense program for about six months and beyond that then the uh, managing of those relationships uh, is left to their own and whether they have any future contact with one another or not. In our and I'm going to come back to that because there's such an important role that Anne plays in the managing of those relationships, but I don't want to get there yet. Was that you, Val, about to say something or no? No. Okay, so Anne, my next question is, in the public sector environment, how do you position this when you have 16 special people out of a department of 1,500 so that it appears a fair, equitable, equal opportunity, non-favoritism? We try very hard to um, be equitable in the way that we evaluate people. We let them know up, uh, up front that we have the criteria related to the Super 7, that they're not supposed to be undergoing any disciplinary action at the time, and that they have been an employee for at least a year before they can be considered. So those um, thoughts and um, goals for the program are shared right up front. And then an interesting thing happened about four years ago. We consolidated both water and wastewater in public utilities into a single organization. And by default, we established this program, and we have nothing that compares to it that brings together the um, people from all of the departments because we have three basic um, branches, water, wastewater, and administrative services. And there are, represent, there are people who represent each of the three groups. And of those who are mentees, they are allowed to choose a mentor only from the two areas of which they are not an employee. Mm-hmm. 
And we do that to prevent um, future perceptions of favoritism. We also have a caveat <clears throat> where we say that um, there there is a kind of a rough, simple contract that says I w- do not expect my mentor to be managing my career the rest of my time here. So it, it it's like uh, there's no expectation that a space is going to be saved in the mentor's branch to to house his mentee in the future. So it, it allows a little bit of a clarity of expectation, but also freedom of movement if I'm not wondering in the back of my head, is my mentor going to try to promote me or pull me in? Right. Um, if I'm told up front, don't count on that, just make the most of the present experience. Right. And people, because we do a lot of activities together, we encourage mentors and mentees to meet at least twice a month and we take them once a month on tours of different facilities. We have a very large organization, and so we find the tours are kind of like a, a fine dinner is a backdrop for a great conversation, and our tours are a great backdrop for our uh, mentors and mentees to pair off together to talk and very informally uh, discuss whatever they want to discuss. They will also get exposure on those tours to other mentors, which in our organization are our highest level. We bring, we bring our uh, deputy directors and assistant directors in, and we ask them to volunteer. And it takes quite a commitment because we have only about, 14 people on our executive team, and of that, we like to have at least eight of them volunteer to be mentors. So of your eight mentors, all eight of them sit on the executive team? Yes. In your last cohort group that you're referencing here? Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And we feel that by, we know that Many people at many different levels have great coaching skills and can be um, a successful uh, groomer of future leaders, but we feel it gives prestige to and status to the program and makes it something that is really desirable by having our highest level. They also are exemplifying the skills that uh, are rewarded with success. And so that's what most of our mentees are looking for is future success. Mm-hmm. Um, Linda and, and Ann, mm-hmm. this is John. Say, um, I have a, a question I'd like to ask, but um, I, I heard the cue that we need to go to a break, so maybe when we get back from the break I can ask my question. Okay, sure. you're hearing the cues because I'm not hearing the music. So um, with that said, I would ask our listeners, to stay tuned to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions with John Janetta, Linda Shu, Valerie Wright, and our guest Ann Scott Hurst from currently the city of San Diego talking about mentoring programs. We'll be right back and pick up with John's question. Thank you for your assistance, John.
Because when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello again to our listening audience. Thank you for staying with us on Leadership Matters informing leaders, and inspiring solutions. At the break, we were all talking about how inspiring this is, and um, I believe John Janetta was about to bring a new topic in, and Val has let us know that after that, we'll have a question from a call-in member of our listening audience. So go ahead, John. Yes, and you know, um, last week on the show I hosted, we were t- I-, I was interviewing uh, the executive director of Teammates, which is a school-based mentoring program for youth. And the big issue with that program is there's you know thousands of kids who want to mentor, but nowhere near enough adults who want to mentor. And I'm wondering, in a work-based um, mentoring program like you're describing, again, I can see all kinds of benefits and why somebody who's aspiring to move up the career ladder would want to have a mentor and get that kind of guidance and professional development. But what what inspires the mentors to want to do it and how do you how do you get people to sign up? Well it is a volunteer program and one of the things that we did initially, which I think has worked so well is we allow the mentor to define a project, oftentimes a pet project that perhaps they had not um, had time to do or, you know, with uh, resources being limited. And they can start their um, mentee working on a project. So that means that they get a little more work done in their um, area 
so that is a, of a, an appeal initially, and we're pretty socially conscious, conscious in this group, too. And the uh, discussions that have gone on with the executive team indicate that they feel they are responsible for g- helping to groom the leadership of the future. And so uh, they have become real advocates for the program and are totally inspired by watching not only their mentee, but the mentees of others grow and develop. Some of the stories of that development are just almost spine-tingling. They're so beautiful. Um, and it seems to be an area where the mentors relax a little. And because this person is not, their mentee is not a member of their uh, staff, they don't get quite so con with perfect performance and we actually stress and the mentors have discovered that completion of the project is only a small part of what they hope to accomplish with their mentee. I find that to be a completely fascinating perspective on all this that it's the journey and the process not just a quick grab at the final end, but it's, you know, the journey is let's learn and accomplish, usually, if I'm correct, and something on the list of strategic initiatives as they roll out to the different branches. So these folks are working on meaningful work, and I don't know if they could choose to move on and continue working you know, on their project, but it's an absolute, um, I have seen these people, and Anne is absolutely right, it is spine-tingling to see their honest commitment. I I would like to share my one little story I shared with you yesterday, Linda, about we have, uh, uh, we had a very uh, kind of young, lanky engineer who was in a leadership position, and an older gentleman from a different culture who was had been working so hard for many years to get ahead, and I, I'm sure he was looked over a few times. And one day when I was meeting with the mentee, asking how things were going, he was saying, I just don't know how decisions are made by my mentor. And I said, well, why don't you ask him the next time you meet with him? And so... The mentee did, and when I met again with the mentee, I said, well, how did that discussion go? And he said, well, I was just blown away because I always thought that my decision should be based on uh, the best engineering principles ever, and I, you know, I'm highly schooled in it, and that's how I would make decisions. But do you know that my mentor actually considers what the mayor says? Uh, wow. So they like the CEO or the executive of the organization, and that hadn't occurred to right. the leadership mind of the engineer right. to, to walk in someone else's moccasins. And and for somehow we kind of think, well, that should be obvious, you know, that it's a political organization, and of course that happens. And yet 
coming from a different culture, being indoctrinated in a totally different way, it was something that he had totally missed for years. <laughs> yeah. I, so epiphanies of all kinds seem to come forward. And um, we were talking yesterday about um, a lot of time mentors are not building skills. They're assisting in the development of understanding the inner workings, the political relationships, the influential people, and um, at different levels in the organization, that's just not as apparent or important. Right. And the introductions that a mentor will make for his or her mente become very crucial, too. Yeah, connective power. Right, right. And so we have, you know, part of the program and the orientation is we get the mentee to identify those skills perhaps that they think they want to work on and that gives the mentor something to sink his or her teeth into initially. Uh-huh. And John or Belle? Yeah, I actually have a term. I, I call it thought partner sometimes because what you're doing is helping them uh, think about how they're approaching their work, how they're even thinking about their own career and um, their own development as a leader and and helping uh, through questioning but also through sharing your knowledge and what you can bring to the table for them. So I absolutely agree. It is about helping them uh, Mm -hmm. in the way that they think and and expand their thinking and perspective as they develop. Right. And I wonder, too, if if the reverse doesn't happen for the mentors, if sometimes because of that interaction and that dialogue and that sort of um, seeing the world through someone else's eyes, they're having the same thing happen to them, unexpectedly maybe, but nonetheless still having it happen. Yes. Yeah, I, I've served as a mentor, John, and I think I learn as much from the person I'm, I think I'm mentoring as I'm sure they learn from me, but certainly I grow from that relationship and have grown um, just in being open to new things that are happening uh, in the workplace. So, yes, I think it, you're absolutely spot on. It's a two-way process. <laughs> Most definitely, and what we've we've observed, I um, had noted previously that there's um, a bit of a culture to be kind of cryptic about uh, commentary sometimes. And I noticed about three weeks into the mentorship program the first time, some of that started to subside because there seemed to be a realization coming from the mentors that, oh, my gosh, they are actually paying attention to me and listening, and I might be hurting feelings, and and they started shaping up themselves. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Subtle cues, yeah, or something mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. Pride, perhaps, of, you know, realizing that it was a very important role that they were playing. I think that point's well taken, um, that the role... That I know in my experience when I've mentored, each time there's been an epiphany moment of, oh my gosh, I might be taking this lightly, I might be making a 
casual comment. Mm-hmm. But that this person's far more literal than I am, and I have to go back and make sure I was understood properly or something like that. Right. Um, you know, Val, we didn't quite get to that call-in question yet. Do you want to share it with us, and perhaps as we get food to go to break, we can think about it? Sure. Uh, I have a call from, and this person has stated uh, they're anonymous from Colorado. Uh, I am a vice president at a large nonprofit and I feel like I am becoming marginalized as a leader. Is this something a mentor could help me with, or would an executive coach serve me better? What would be the difference? That is a fascinating question. It is. And um, I, I would, they're being marginalized as a leader. Did they say why? No, uh, they just said they they feel like they're being marginalized as a leader. Hmm. I think you were going to say something, and did you have an idea? Well, I was just going to say it seems like that marginalization could come from a variety of sources, either from um, perhaps corporate uh, edicts or perhaps from... Uh, people working with and for the individual would almost need to be taken apart piece by piece, <clears throat> it seems. Um, it, it's certainly something that could be addressed and talked about uh, in a formalized mentor program, um, but it, it seems like one of those situations where probably either one, either way would would help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you would get you know, something different out of each approach. The executive coach not being from the organization and not understanding really the culture. I mean, you can talk about it and they can try to pick up as much as they can, but you really kind of have to live in a culture to really get it. Um, so would, would, wouldn't be able to share a perspective there that would be helpful, but as an out, someone outside of that could be very, very objective about providing some direction or some, some some suggestions that would be helpful. And then the coach on the other side, understanding that culture, would have that perspective and could provide a different, you know, different ideas. Right. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's a really good idea. And I have a very uh, explicit example of something that relates that I will share as we come back from the break. And then um, we will pick up with our guest, Ann Scott Hurst, so asking all of our listeners to stay tuned, Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. 
That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, we are back with more on Leadership Matters. Bringing you greetings from San Diego, California, and Linda Schub from the Heartland, and John Janetta, and from Valerie Wright in West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, thank you all for staying tuned in. We were discussing with our guest, Ann Scott Hurst, prior to the break, um, some um, additional issues, and um, uh, there were some examples that we wanted to share with you. So, Ann, John, Val, did you want to jump in next? Did you yeah, want to I finish was, where we I, were? Mm-hmm. Val? Hello. Okay. Yeah, I was sharing with the team on the break that, you know, depending on whether the coach or mentor was internal, uh, that individual may not benefit as well if they are part of what is creating the person's sense of being marginalized. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on in the culture that is either actually marginalizing this person or the person may, the organization and culture may be shifting and the person's not moving with the organization and the changes that's happening. So they are feeling marginalized because they're not going with the organization. I think that's something that whoever anonymous is from Colorado would have to begin to look at. But a coach who was external could then help them see 
um, you know, from an objective perspective, as John stated earlier, what is happening in the organization that they need to get on board with or at least understand that it's taking place because it, there could be some inherent risk with a person internally, whether they're coaching or mentoring them in terms of going into that relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Very good point. And you had a story. What's that? I said you had a story that... I do. I have an amazing story of um, people feeling marginalized in the distance between a formal internal mentor. And sometimes um, in the work that I do as an external consultant, I get the privilege of working with organizations such as AMS, where I don't work with the mentor program, but I work with a parallel uh, two levels of management development academies. One is for field leaders and one is for um, managerial folks that are no longer in the field but may supervise field operations. And I had a personal experience where um, it happens frequently that I'm working at two different levels in any given organization where there's more of a field or facilities group as well as a uh, executive or governance group. So it's not just one experience, but multiple times I get to take the uh, risk, if you will, upon being asked to give some fast, spontaneous feedback that um, perhaps an internal mentor or a formalized coach might not give. And I've had people come up to me and say, do you think that the way I dress or my makeup or my hair affects the way I'm viewed in the organization? And typically these are very understated, casual folks who have not change their personal appearance over a period of time as their subject matter expertise and and visibility in the organization has changed. So I've said back to them, well, try something different. So I've had both women and men who have cleaned up, kind of changed their shoes, maybe uh, looked um, a little more uh, intentionally dressed the job, it's very difficult to use words that don't offend someone, so I mean no offense out there, but as I've asked for feedback, 100% of the time, people have told me that either their feeling of being marginalized or their feeling of being lost in the crowd had changed when they presented themselves in a different manner, and I think that's something that intuitively we will tell our friends, our colleagues, but it's very hard to say that in a manner that doesn't put you at risk for hurting someone's feelings when you're already a working colleague with them in an organization. So that was a long story, sorry, but thoughts on that? We we had an um, instance where we had... uh, someone who wanted very much to work with a field 
worker. And so the mentor and mentee were teamed up together. And um, immediately when I met with the mentor, there was dismay that the person they were working with was just, you know, would come downtown wearing sweatshirt and jeans and, you know, wasn't making uh, the right impression. <clears throat> and, she, and the uh, mentor said, you know, that needs to happen. And I had to take a strong role in the relationship with the mentor and mentee and say to the mentor, yes, you're right, that does need to happen, and you're a person who can help it happen. But this individual needs encouragement. The moment that that person puts a scarf around her neck with the sweatshirt, the moment that she gets out of tennis shoes and puts on um, a pair of flats, notice it, compliment her, and reinforce it. And... So there, there was some progress, um, and it was a very strong-willed person uh, that I was talking to. But fortunately, um, there was listening and change in the approach, and uh, more success with the mentee. An experience with anything like that in terms of. Uh either not getting an opportunity to be mentored or truth being told from John Bell. I'm sorry, repeat the question. Any reaction to that, or shall I move on to a different question here to, uh, to engage Anne in? No, I think um, when I think about the um, process that Anne has shared with us with her program, um, that somewhere in that process of training and preparation for the mentoring program, those kinds of things are addressed or would be addressed. Are they, Anne? Well, we do have an orientation, and we do want to keep a relatively loose program. But after we did the program the first time, we realized we do have some basic expectations. So the next time we did the program, we laid those expectations out Mm -hmm. for them. And, And they were more things like we do expect you to make contact with one another at least twice a month. We do expect the mentee to be the person responsible after the basic introduction for which the mentor is responsible. We do expect the mentee to call back a second, a third, or a fourth time in order to get a hold of the mentor. It's nice if the mentor calls immediately back if they've missed a meeting or something. But if it doesn't happen, the mentee is still the responsible one for that. So we kind of... um, lay out those expectations and we don't get real specific. Uh, We actually have some activity in the orientation where the mentors meet together and the mentees meet together and then when the mentors meet together they give one another advice and what I wish I had done the last time and that type of thing. So Um, you know clothing deal is 
you know, it only arose one time out of 16 people. So right. it's more of something that we would handle individually. Because after the orientation where they're all together and beyond <clears throat> the tours that they take as a group each month, I continue to go out and meet individually with the mentor and the mentee to encourage them to ask questions of each other and what to ask, et cetera. So I personalize it quite a bit that way. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have a, a question, um, and maybe you mentioned this and I missed it, but when you match the mentors to the mentees, do you look at any, are there certain things you look at to make, <laughs> to try to set the matches for success, and are, are they usually successful, or do you have times when you have a match that just there's just bad chemistry, they just don't seem to be clicking, and then how well, do you deal with that? Okay, so far... Everything has gone along very well, and uh, that's (laughs) I know, (laughs) and that's uh, but that's part of why I go out and meet with people individually. Um, I I guess we don't know what we would do if that happened because we have been very fortunate that uh, people have been able to get along together and make headway together. Yes, so I'm hearing the music that's telling us we need to take a break now. And, Anne, if you would just hold that thought and remember where we are, because I love the question John asked, and I do think what you do makes a huge difference. So we'll pick up back there as soon as we return. We'll ask our listening audience to stay with us for more for our last uh, segment of Leadership Matters where we are informing leaders and inspiring solutions. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You 
listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hello, this is Linda Hsu, but thank you for staying with John Janetta, Valerie Wright, myself, and our guest, Ann Scott Hurst, on Leadership Matters, where we are informing leaders and inspiring all kinds of solutions uh, within ourselves and our own team as we're talking uh, during the commercial break. Previously, we had just brought up the uh, question that Anne was responding to, and so I will go ahead and let you uh, complete your response, and John, I believe you had asked the question. Right. I believe John was asking what would happen if a mentor and a mentee did not get along, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. And I was just sharing during the break that we usually have a spare mentor on our list because people get to make some selection on their own. They get to prioritize who they their very favorite person would be to be their mentor. And we don't tell the mentor or the mentee who's voted for and et cetera, but we use that information in part to help match people, so that may account for some of the success we've had, but we would probably um, <clears throat> try to adjust and, uh, and it, not ruffle <laughs> too many feathers in the process uh, by bringing somebody else in, perhaps, to be the mentor. Mm-hmm. You got a little political acumen that goes along with that. Any other thoughts on that question? Or, Val, did you say we have something from another call-in listener? Yes, we have a call from Grace in California. Grace says, I have served as a CEO for a nonprofit, and I would like to help individuals interested in becoming a CEO. What are the risks and ethical issues involved in mentoring? Should I go through a program or should I do it on my own? You know, you were asking if there are <clears throat> ethical issues or what some of them are, and the one thing I was thinking is that it's um, difficult to coach someone along from the outside uh, without the promise of or the perception of an implied promise that if you let me teach you A, B, and C, you will become the next whatever. Mm -hmm. It it seems like uh, it would be very difficult to uh, define the parameters without uh, having that expectation tied to it. You know, I think there's obviously benefits for formal... um, mentoring programs and then just the natural mentoring that seems to occur as we go about our lives. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, there could be plenty of opportunities either way. I mean, just the natural mentoring that occurs. Or, I mean, I guess there's risks with anything. You could give somebody bad advice, I suppose, but when it's um, sort of something that evolves naturally and mutually, um, it's not like this person is going to sue you because you, you gave them bad advice. 
I mean, generally speaking, I would guess. I don't know. I mean, I've done this a lot with people, and, and we've never really said, oh, I'm going to be your mentor and you're my mentee, but that's what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it sometimes, John, becomes that relationship in hindsight. You you learn and you work together, and then you realize, oh, that was my mentor, or he's mentored me, or she's mentored me. Uh-huh. As, as the relationship progresses, I think you're absolutely right in that regard um, because most of my relationship, because the company I work for didn't have a formal program, but I've mentored two people and it wasn't like we said, oh, I'm your, I'm the mentor and you're the mentee and, you know, we kind of began a, a relationship of, as I said earlier, kind of like thought partners. She would come and ask me questions. We'd think through and it evolved. And, you know, years later when she would refer to me to others, she'd say, this is my mentor, but it certainly wasn't that in the beginning. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. true. You know, and I personally, myself, have had multiple mentors for different issues in in different parts of my life, and I've had several people who have consistently been a mentor to me at critical points in my life, and they and they supply different kind of information, different perspective, different uh, you know points of view and ways to think about things, and. So I would caution our listeners in the context that John just brought up about sometimes our chemistry brings us together to learn and want to teach each other and be helpful or our job projects do. And we should see those as mentoring opportunities, maybe with that small M instead of a capital M program. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, I see myself as always being open if someone says, hey, can you give me some advice and I think you have some perspective. I don't. That is a really good way to informally approach somebody in in a to fill in a mentoring role. You know, I was just thinking that um, the word mentor stems from um, wasn't it Telemachus who left uh, his son meant under someone's. Uh, Tutelage yeah. and guidance, and in the end, there was like a, a great um, argument or something, and there was a breaking apart of that relationship. And so, um, I guess there's a cautionary part to the tale, also about becoming so close that uh, and emulating so much that then, if you determine to behave in a different way or act in a different way than your mentor does, that it stands the potential of severing things, too. That's true, an interdependency or a dependency that could unknowingly grow. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I guess that's that's one of the advantages we have by having our program only be six months long. (laughs) Maybe we, we, you know head that off at the pass, I don't know. Yeah. Well, so that's why it's not a quick fix, a program du jour. It's a commitment from the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And do you have any resources that you would like to share with our listeners? I know uh, Valerie had a couple last week. John may have one or two regarding where they can get additional information. 
There is a book available on planning your mentorship program, and the author escapes me now, but it is it presents very good options in how to define what you want to accomplish and ways to go about it. But okay. it's just like planning your mentorship program, and I don't remember the, t- the author. Sorry. That's okay. People can Google it by title. Mm-hmm. Um, value had a couple last week. Yeah, I actually, since then, I, there's a online site called Management Mentors that give uh, great information um, on mentoring. It's called, they call itself the resources, the 411 on all things mentor-related. Uh, in addition, um, I don't remember the other one from last week. It was the youth program. Oh, yes, that was um, Women of Tomorrow, which is for high school um girls who are in ninth through 12th grade. It's a mentoring and scholarship program uh, in the state of Florida, New York, Florida, New York, um, Ohio, and Okay, and mm-hmm. so our listeners could look that up also. I am hearing the signal that we need to sign off, and I want to thank you all for this inspiring um uh, informative, educational discussion, and I would like to remind our listeners that we will continue this month's theme of mentoring next Wednesday, and so request that you tune in then. Um, as for now, once again, thank you. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate your call-ins, John Bell and Ann Scott Hurst. Thank you so much for being here today. And we will sign off. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Anne. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.